Hi, everyone. The first ever program for Did That Make Air? I'm going to guarantee, by the way, before we continue with this program, I'm Brian Wilmer, joined by Ed Barnes. Ed, I'm going to guarantee this is the best first podcast in the history of ever, and I'll explain why. Your thoughts? I think that we have a level of familiarity which is unique for a first, a maiden voyage of a podcast, if you will. And I think that 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 may come through today. We'll see, though. I think that we are guaranteed uh, to each end up saying something, uh, not that we'd regret as much as we might think we maybe shouldn't have later, but I think that's all (laughs) reflected in the title of the program. Yeah, just to let everybody in on the secret here. First of all, uh, Ed and I have been doing internet radio, I guess you could call it, for Yeah, something like that. Something like eight years now. We started this in October of 2005, and we also host a program called Sports Matters, which started as something else entirely, but you don't want to be bored by that. This all started because we were sitting there talking sports one day, and we said we should have a radio show. There it is. This is starting because we were sitting around one day talking crap and said we should do this instead of talking about sports or in conjunction with talking about sports. So here we are, the... First ever podcast for Did That Make Air? The first ever podcast we've numbered, which that should be noted as well. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was actually going to say, Brian, that if you think about it, what really happened was we were doing our sports show and ended up doing a couple of them where we did not talk any sports. So we figured we (laughs) might want to channel some of this stuff into another show for people who aren't looking for sports information. (laughs) Why would anybody look for sports information? You've got first take for that. The thing that's really dangerous, though, is this being distributed through the Internet, and you sent me that letter earlier that appeared in the newspaper. You should be wary of gathering facts from the Internet. There's a lot of untruth out there. I don't know if you guys know that, but it might be a helpful tip. Yeah, we're not exactly contributing to the uh, the brilliance and accuracy on the Internet, but what the hell. Well, we just – I think we more want to comment uh, on culture that we see around us, uh, on life, on some of the absurdities that we see every day. I think that's really – what we want to be able to kick around, because some of these things that we see on a regular basis, whether it be some of the stupid people that we talk about on Sports Matters or some of the things that we kick around while chatting during the day about things that, you know, maybe I'll see while I'm at the gym or see someone do on the street and think, like, what, do you, what do you think of this person doing X? And we end up kicking that around for 10, 15 minutes. And generally it can lead to some interesting and uh, at least amusing conversations for us. And we thought we'd share them with you. You're already talking about doing X. We're, you know, just a couple of minutes into the program, and you're talking about drug abuse. How dare you? Parents listen to this stuff. Well, or wait, I think that real parenting is where, I mean, once we can get into that, that's when the show's really going to take off. Yeah, hashtag real parenting. For those of you who don't know yet, and you will, as long as you listen to this program, you'll hear occasionally the hashtag real parenting drop. When you do, pay attention because it is parenting advice from two people who are not parents. Exactly, and I think that makes us even more qualified because that way we're removed from the situation. We're able to view it from a different perspective. You know, once you have a child, it can be very overwhelming, very consuming, and that way it might be better to let two people who are able to take a step back and separate themselves from the situation give you their feedback. Speaking of qualified advice from people who don't do certain things, each week on this program or whenever the hell we release it, we're going to have... What we refer to as a good question, the big question, whatever you want to call it. We don't have a name for it. If you've got one, we're open to What would Buddy Lee Phillips call it? That's really what's important. 
uh, he he'd call it uh, a statement that ended with a question mark. Oh, I thought he might call it the biggin. Well, yeah, I, I'm just doing an imitation of Buddy Lee Phillips. So, I mean, if Mr. Lee Phillips were able to tell us, that would probably be better. Well, we'll see. Uh, the thing is, he don't want to say nothing on the air that might be foreseen as a cuss word. So uh, mm. he's trying to watch his language. But yeah, it's a well, biggin. That's smart. That's smart. That's smart. But as we start with the biggin today, I think we have a, a question that is. It's going to give us plenty of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of subject matter here, a lot for us to cover, so we might as well get started. The question we have this week, and it sounds funny coming from me, for anybody who might know me, you'll know I'm not exactly a partaker of said activity, but the question we have for each other this week, and for you, obviously, is you see all these people going downstairs if you work in an office, during a day and you see them disappear for 15, 20 minutes at a time and they disappear four or five times a day. So, Ed, I have to ask you, because, you know, we are concerned about our health here, obviously. Should we find a way to become a smoker or maybe even fake being a smoker just so we can take extra breaks from the office each day? You know, it's a great question, Brian, and I think that we really need to go to kind of a tail of the tape, a pro and con on something like this, because there are benefits on both sides. Now, if you can manage to take up smoking, yes, that gives you that great built-in excuse to be able to get up from your desk every so often. You know what? I, I need a cigarette. I just need one. You know, it's because I'm addicted to the nicotine. You understand. Uh, even though people may not be quite as understanding in my part of the country down here in San Diego. However, on the con side, smell, cost. Lung cancer. I don't know. Lung, well, you know, <laughs> if you fake being a smoker, obviously that's going to be lower. You could fake depending. lung cancer. I mean, come on. I don't know if you really want to fake lung cancer. That I mean, that might be fun, though. But if you think about... <laughs> If you think about it, you're at least going to need to stand in the smoking area while you take your breaks. So true, you're limiting true. where you can take your breaks, right? Right. And you're going to at least have to buy some cigarettes to really sell this idea, aren't you? Well, see, what you ought to do if you're going to do this is you ought to buy one of those blue e-cigs because that way you can smoke it. You're actually allegedly smoking vapor. You could put you know, anything in there. You, you, don't, you don't have to put in a nicotine cartridge per se. You could just put in anything. And just stand there, and you can look like a total D-bag with a thing lighting up at the end. You know, you just stand there, and you can look like you're smoking, but you're not actually suffering any of the harmful side effects from doing so. As is going to happen several times on this show, we're going to have questions within questions. Of course. And that's going to be a first one. Brian, I want to post to you. You said that you'd look like a D-bag using one of those things. Would you look like a D-bag if you used pretty much any product endorsed by Stephen Dorff? Well, not just Stephen Dorff. Have you seen the ones with Jenny McCarthy in the commercials now? I have not. Yeah, she's actually sitting there. It's a black and white, soft lit setting. She's sitting there and she's talking about how now she can smoke her blue e-cig in her favorite club. And it's, you know, some hipster D-bag club somewhere. And she pulls out like a, you know, a cigarette case or something like that and pulls out her little blue e-cig. And she's sitting there, you know, smoking it. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there thinking if somebody told her that that blue e-cig was full of vaccine, it would be the biggest freak out in the history of our nation. Wow. Okay. I was absolutely going to comment on vaccines. And <laughs> <Carney>. So 
I'm going to have to revise on the flyer because I definitely wanted to, to say, you know, was she wearing a no vaccine shirt? How is she getting that message into the commercial? Because you know that she is. Or maybe she's taking the money from this commercial and donating it to her own charity, I'm guessing. Maybe something like that. Uh, maybe. Or what you could do, you could very easily tell her, you know, Jenny, smoking those things causes autism. <laughs> And then you're going to need a vaccine to get rid of the autism. Oh, no. No, um, that doesn't work that way. But the thing that, that's just kind of amazing is, is that there has been no evidence that seems to support her claims from, from the little I've read about what she's saying. And she's also saying, you know, just, just go ahead and smoke. <laughs> yeah. No, we're good. We're good. It's vapor. It's fine. The question Take I have, though, if and here's another question within a question. Why is it? That if these blue e-cigs are supposed to be the safer, cooler, better alternative, why is it that all the commercials are in black and white, look as though they were filmed in like 1968, and show you no glamorizing effects whatsoever except for Stephen Dorff standing on a cliffside or Jenny McCarthy sitting in a club? I think that any time that you can be doing something while you have your jacket's uh, collar popped like Stephen Dorff does, it's... Um it's probably more of an ad against doing it more than it is for do, uh, actually doing that activity. Would you agree? Uh, yeah, and see, I, I talk all the time about neckbeards and converse. That's that's a perfect activity for neckbeards and converse and e-cig. Put, put one of those in that shot somewhere. You've got it set. I, I just keep going back to the fact that Jenny McCarthy was making fart noises in front of 50 dudes on Singled Out, and she's telling me to do anything uh, and – the idea that I'd listen at that point is kind of funny, isn't it? It's funny you mention that because, and I, I always wondered this about Singled Out, and I, I never knew anybody who ever even watched the thing, so I never really had a chance to get this off my off my chest. But why is it that every time on Singled Out, people were always going nuts over a woman who was sitting there, you know, belching and making fart noises and everything else? Whatever drew people to her, aside from you know appearing in Playboy and acting pretty much vapid the entire time um i would go with her chest area brian that would be my guess i don't really <laughs> well, yeah. you know that's, that's if you're looking for an answer i got one for you uh so that's what i'm going with but we we've kind of gotten away from our main question here about should you fake being should you take up smoking or at least fake being a smoker to get extra breaks and I don't know. I'm curious to know, does your opinion change when you think about the idea that you're going to be confined to a certain area when you take your breaks? That's another thing to consider, because if you've ever been at any major office building anywhere, doesn't matter the industry, the location, whatever it may be. They even have it here in the southeast where you would imagine, you know, in the southeast, the smoking culture is a little more glamorized because tobacco is a cash crop here. You know, like 75% of the people smoke, it seems. Sure. But there is always, and it's even funnier on cold days, you know, like where it's like <laughs> 5, 10 degrees. All these miserable bastards, there's like 30 people all huddled together underneath this one little smoker's hut. They're all standing there. Their hands are shivering. The cigarette's rattling in their hand as they're holding it to their mouth. They've got like three coats on. They're standing there bouncing up and down trying to keep warm, but they have got their nicotine. That's all that matters. Now, if you tried to take your cigarette breaks with gum cigarettes, I don't know if you remember those. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember those where they'd have enough of the powder on it, so if you actually blew on the cigarette, it would look like a puff of smoke was coming out? Right. 
So if you use those, would you be able to get away with this and somehow make it better? <laughs> well, the problem is when you go to light it, it melts in your mouth. Hmm. Well, what if you don't light it, though? What if everyone – I mean, I think you're not really hiding that it's a gum cigarette per se, but hey, I'm just going for a smoke, and you walk out with that in your hand. Well, I guess if you don't value your employment very much, you can certainly try that. <laughs> look, I, mean, I, I just feel – look, we, we all find a way to take extra breaks at work, don't we? In our own way. We all found a way to just even if we look even if it's the the method of staring at our desk that was talked about in off space. Yeah, and see the the thing is too, it depends on again the the uh line of work in which you find yourself. But there are people who will, you know, go down to the mail room and they'll linger a little longer than they probably should or sure. they'll go downstairs and they'll go get a soda and you know, they know what they want when they leave their desk, but instead they just stand there looking dumbfounded at the vending machine like I can't believe I have all these choices. What will I ever choose? And they stand there for 5 minutes just trying to figure out, you know, how they want to blow their dollar 50. There's there's always some kind of built-in uh, I don't want to say cheating because that's not right, but there's always some built-in advantage of time that people find themselves using. So it sounds like we both are, as we've talked it through, it seems like this would be a tough sell. It really doesn't seem like it might be worth it. You're just going to be hanging out around people who are smoking. You're probably going to end up smelling. There's the whole secondhand smoke thing. If you believe in that, I'm not saying it's true or not. I just know that people can test it. I don't want to offend anyone yet. <laughs> It'll be later. So what are other ways that you can find to take extra breaks at work? Now, you mentioned going to get snacks or something. Oh, uh, you know, I'm going to go get a soda. And then you can just come back 10 minutes later. Yeah, they didn't have any pineapple. That was what I was craving. I was craving pineapple crush. <laughs> Wait a minute. Pineapple crush? They make that? You know, amazingly enough, I went to a school where they wouldn't come and refill the vending machine until it was completely empty, like every soda. Oh, wow. And that was the final one for two straight refills. <laughs> and it was, all right, come on. Someone has to just suck it up and buy the pineapple crush for everyone's good. I, I know you don't want it. I know you don't want it. None of us want it. We all would like to have a Coca-Cola, but there are none available right now, and there are only Pineapple Crush. Yeah, see, in my high school, and this this is you know back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, but in, in my high school, that soda for us was Mr. Pibb. They, they always had like 500,000 Mr. Pibbs and never anything else. So I was the person who would take one for the team, go in there at like 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm sitting there right before homeroom gets ready to start. And so I'm drinking a Mr. Pibb at 8 o'clock in the morning, which is the healthiest thing I've ever done for myself, folks. I've, I've made some pretty unhealthy choices in my life. But shotgunning a Mr. Pibb at 8 in the morning ranks right up there with some of the uh, – you know, the, the self-damaging uh, things I've managed to do in my life. Please tell me that you actually shotgunned it, too, and that you actually took a pen, slammed a hole in the thing, just gulped it down. Uh, a couple of times I did, yes. Wow. Okay, that's impressive, especially because I, I, I am not a Mr. Pibb, Dr. Pepper fan. No, no wait. All. We're, we're going to have to stop the, uh, stop the presses here. Dr. Pepper is a completely different thing from Mr. Pibb. See, this this is something where we need to have this as a big question later on, and we may get to this. But in the South, everybody refers to a soda or a cola as a Coke. Now, down here, if you say you want a Dr. Pepper, and they say, we have Mr. Pibb, is that okay? Your answer is, hell no, that's not okay. A Mr. Pibb is not a Dr. Pepper, just as a Pepsi is not a Coke. Sure, I understand that. Uh, I'm just saying that anything with that general taste is not up my alley. 
Okay, so anything that uh, that tastes like a soda version of Guinness is not your thing, then. <laughs> well put. Very well put, even though I love Guinness, so go figure. <laughs> so what else can we come up with that could take time as far as, you know, just... I, in fact, I've got the idea. I've got it. I, I don't know why in the world I didn't think of this beforehand, but I've got it. What you can do... There are a lot of people who are getting more health conscious these days. I, I think sure. everybody, you know, knows that person or those people or they are that person or those people. And what you can do is you can form a walking group at work. And then every three or four hours, you know, if, if that long, you can convene your walking group and go walk around the building for 15 minutes. I've seen this happen. I saw this happen in Schaumburg, Illinois, of all things. I saw a group of like seven or eight people circling the building over and over for 15 minutes, and they went back inside, and then I walked outside another couple of hours later, and there they were again. So that's what it is. Become health conscious, or at least appear health conscious, and get into a building-circling walking group. All right. Well, now, uh, let's deal with most of America who's really lazy. <laughs> uh, what do you suggest for them? Because that provides two potential sources of concern. One, you're spending more time around the people you work with, which you're probably sick of most of them as it is, right? And two, what if you don't feel like walking? Uh, then you can, like we were talking about faking lung cancer earlier, you can fake a sprained faking. ankle or fake a broken fake. leg. Fake a, yeah, maybe a groin pull. I don't think anyone's going to check. Uh, no, no, that's kind of inappropriate. That might get you into HR if you try. Right, that might get you into HR. Well, I mean, maybe you can let me know how that goes. But uh, No, I will not. No? Okay. Just thought I'd ask. I don't work out of an office right now, so I don't really have that opportunity. Well, see, that's what you need to do. You need to go in, interview somewhere. And while, okay. you, while you're interviewing, just find somebody and say, hey, you know, I think I have a groin pull. You mind checking for me? And then, of course, you can call me back later and let me know if you get that job. I will absolutely do that. I think what would be better is to just walk into the bullpen of cubicles and just say, hey, does anyone want to check out? I think I might have a pulled groin. Can anyone find out for me? <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to go on record as guessing uh, who wants to feel my balls is not a good way to get hired. But I didn't ask that. Well, no, but it's funnier if you ask it that way. That would be funnier. It's like, yeah, that's true. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. We all want to find a little bit more time to ourselves in the, you know, eight or nine or however many hours you end up spending at your office cubicle place of work each day. And there's only so many times that you can just slowly walk to wherever you're going or, you know, go check the office supply room to see what you can bring home or, I mean, for your desk. And... <laughs> <laughs> we've all we've all done it and go see if there's anything new in the vending machines there's only seemingly so much you could do but smokers they can go almost as much as they want yeah and see the thing is too you can't fake a gastrointestinal disorder because people will be able to call you on that mm. yeah that's not good i, I mean that's hmm. well yeah I, I, i'm just gonna say to our initial question of though i don't think that it's worth it to fake or take up smoking. Seems like it's on the wane a little bit in our country, at least at least in California. Yeah. I mean, just the suggestion that you smoke, even if you're just hammered, people are like, really, you smoke? Well, only when I'm drinking. Really? Still? Oh, man. You might want to stop that. Here, have your 14th beer. You know, it's funny that you brought that up, because I hear that all the time. I, in fact, I, I can't count the times I've heard that. So I'm sitting there thinking to myself, I'm like, so are you telling me that 
your bad habit is minimized because you only partake of it when you're partaking of another bad habit? Does that kind of cancel those two out? How does that work exactly? I think it's the idea that, look, if I'm going to go out and eat a, a meal that's absolutely terrible for me in terms of nutrition, you know, high fat, something like that, then I might as well have dessert because I've already had a terrible meal for me. Exactly. Right? Fair enough. Not to mention, if you ever were on the fence about smoking, once you've had a few drinks, you don't, you're not on the fence about anything anymore. <laughs> so, essentially what you're telling me, and essentially you're telling the rest of the world this by, uh, by extension, is that bad decisions lead to more bad decisions. Sometimes it, it can happen. I don't think that that's unheard of. <laughs> I, I know personally for me it's not. So, are you saying that, you know, like if you're, uh, Dante Stallworth, are you saying, you know, I only run people over when I'm drinking? Is, is, is that it? I don't think that's going to work. Oh, Ryan. sorry. I think, I, I think I missed the point it. there. Yeah. I don't know if he tried that one though. Uh, he might have run that by his attorney in Miami or Florida, uh, whatever Florida city he was in. It doesn't, it was in Florida. So it was obviously it was a pretty crazy incident, but I don't know. In the end, what do you, what are you saying on our question? Yes, no, maybe. I'm going no, because see, here's the thing. If, if you're going to, come up with some kind of backstory or some kind of loophole or something like that, you have to think it through first. And there's too much, uh, I guess, backfill that's required if you're going to fake smoking because you have to go through. And first of all, like you mentioned, there's the smell issue. You have to buy Febreze. So that's more money out of your pocket because you have to get the smell out of your clothes. And then, you know, say for instance, if you know, you're going home to your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever else, and they don't smoke, if they're allergic to it, even though you didn't smoke, now all of a sudden they're sick and then you've got a problem with, you know, the girlfriend or boyfriend. There's just, there are too many things that can go wrong with this. There, this is not a foolproof plan by any means. And no. anything that's not foolproof, I don't know that I can get on board with endorsing. Well, how much do you think a teeth yellowing procedure <laughs> would set someone back? Because you're going to need to do that before you say that you smoke. <laughs> so... And that doesn't happen quickly. Like, you need to work on that. It happens. It's a gradual process. <laughs> so here's the question. <laughs> Teeth yelling procedure. Here's the other question. If you were going to fake a meth habit, do you have to go to, like, a backwoods dentist and have your teeth pulled out in an, in an off-jag fashion? <laughs> I was thinking that it was going to be, do you have to go to the store and does Krylon make you sick when you paint your teeth black? <laughs> You find yourself going from, you know, working on a, uh, a project with a strong deadline to all of a sudden sitting there huffing that air duster stuff. I'm, I'm just you've brought now that we've brought this up, I'm thinking of all the things you would need to do for a backstory on all of these different things. But just on the cigarette, your car has to smell like cigarettes. Right, right. That, that's it. That's a given. So if any other coworker comes in your car, it's going to have to smell like cigarettes. Because no one's really a smoker and like, oh, yeah, but I don't smoke in my car. No, if you're a smoker and you're addicted enough to take eight breaks a day at work to go have a, sh go have a heater, then your car, you smoke in your car. But I roll so the window not, down. Yeah, that doesn't work either. <laughs> it really doesn't. I love how they hold it out the window. They, I mean, the smokers, I love how third person, that can't be associated with those people. <laughs> but they hold the cigarette out the window. Like, that's going to make all the difference when they pull it into their mouth, which is inside the car, and blow out the smoke, usually inside the car as well. 
and then hold, hold the cigarette outside as if while it's just burning idly. Uh, well, yeah, that'll keep the, the smell out. So there's there's that. You have to find a way to first make your clothes smell and then second buy some Febreze to get the smell out of there. Um, you have to randomly have 62 to $65 disappear in a shot because that's what a carton costs anymore. Right. Uh, let's see. What what else? Um, I would guess you, you have to start spending more time in casinos and at dog tracks. AA meetings. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, of course, since since you're, you know, portraying yourself as a smoker, you have to drink more. So that costs more money. Sure. That's true. Now, That's true. See, you now, can... if you're if you're a woman, this might be an even worse idea because it may, uh, you know, it may give people the wrong idea. Uh, yeah, and I think most people can figure out where we're going with that. But yeah. yeah, well, there's a certain suggestion that usually comes with it about certain tendencies. Boy, I'm trying to be delicate with this. I don't know why <laughs> though. Why? If she smokes, she pokes. I think that's how it goes. Yeah, I think I heard Lois Griffin say that one time. <laughs> she did. So if we're putting together this backstory, so since since we figured out we have to, let's see, we have to make the car smell, which they don't right. ex- they don't exactly have a uh, new Marlboro smell spray that you can spray in your car. So not that I found. Yeah, that's if that's I find it. I will let you know. That's going to set you back a little bit. Uh, you're going to have to get make your clothes smell and then buy some Febreze with it. So that's that's going to be a problem. Uh, I think we need to go back a little further in the story, Brian, because really you're going to need to get a new job. I don't think you can show up to a place where you've been working for 10 years and just be like, you know what? I just decided I want to go to Marlboro Country every day. <laughs> you can come in wearing a Joe Camel jacket. Okay, that would be nice, though. That would be great. <laughs> you know, the cartoon spokesperson, spokes camel, whatever. But see, the thing they is, they had to ban though because it was too friendly to kids. <laughs> yeah, and but but I guess if you think about it, what you can tell people is you had enough Marlboro points saved up to where all of a sudden you were able to get all this new stuff. Now that get you somewhere. Yeah, I mean, granted, it's not a you know, it's not wearing an Atlanta 500 jacket or or some kind of uh, you know, <laughs> Skull Bandits uh, die-cast racing car or something that you would normally get from those things. But, you know, at least you can use that as a backstory. So I guess that's kind of a pro, but you you think, okay, I have to make my car smell, my clothes smell, then get rid of the smell in both. Uh, I have to now start adjusting my daily schedule so I go hang out in the smoker's pit with 80 other people. Uh, I have to go to casinos and dog tracks more often. I have to go to AA meetings. Uh, I have to take up gambling because that's another vice. You know, I've already started drinking and smoking. I might as well, you know, throw some money at, at gambling while I'm at it. Uh, people have to look in my wallet one day and then look in there the next day and see that $65 is gone so I can tell people I bought a cart. I mean, there's there's so much work that has to go into getting out of work. Since you mentioned gambling, though, I had to bring this up, and I know that we've we've discussed this before. Is there a more depressing – and this is going to be a, another side question. Is there a more depressing place on earth than the smoker's cage, more or less, at McCarran Airport in Las Vegas? Oh, wow. Any airport in general, but especially that one because you know – Yeah, everybody's out there. They're like, I am here because this is my lottery ticket. I'm going to come out here. I'm going to smoke $250 worth of cigarettes. I'm going to go to the slot machines. I'm going to drop in – you know. 
a hundred dollars, which turns into two hundred, which eventually turns into seven and eight hundred, and I'm going to go home winning ten thousand dollars, and it never oh, happens no. that way. What? Oh, it doesn't. Oh man, maybe I should stop trying then. But what <laughs> I was going to say about it was that you know that these are people heading home. Oh sure, yeah. You know, there aren't people who are just arriving in Vegas who just land in the airport, and you're usually like, you know what? I can't run straight to the cab in order to get to my hotel and get gambling where I can smoke freely, I'm going to have to stop in the in the airport and I'm going to have to go have a cigarette before I go get my cab and go over to the Atlantis or, you know, whatever. And um, <laughs> so, but you know what I'm saying? So it's always the people who are headed home and that's when the dream has already been completely dashed. So not only are these people in there smoking, it's a glass room that has been made right in the middle of the terminal. So there are no – every wall is one that you can see right into this little area. And I remember walking by it one time as the sun was starting to come down. So the sun was shining into the room. Oh, man. So it was lighting up every bit of smoke as it was being blown out by people. And it were just a bunch of people in there with depressed looks on their faces, chain smoking, and sitting in a giant cloud out of secondhand smoke <laughs> but see imagine if you could have instagrammed that imagine the the likes you would have gotten from that that way if i instagrammed it at hashtag truth i think that probably would have helped well no not hashtag truth i mean you know like uh hashtag uh dwarf <laughs> <laughs> hashtag mccarthy <laughs> hashtag shattered dreams <laughs> That, I really think that that one picture could have summed it up nicely. If I'd gotten the lighting right, that would have been tricky. I don't know how easy that would have been on an iPhone, which I didn't have at the time. But if I got that opportunity again, yeah, I'd have, but I'd have to take that shot. See, think of it though. With Instagram, you have all these filters you can add, and you can, you mm. know, change the lighting so it looks even more melodramatic. You know, like these people are are uh, are down on their luck and. The only thing they have left in the world to, uh, you know, to get them through because they've they've already blown the rent money and the childcare money and everything else. The only thing they have left to get them through is their heat, and that'll make them happy until they get home. Oh, I thought you were going to say that the only thing they had to get them through is a shot of their own feet. <laughs> no, there's there's no uh, there's no beach with approaching water around for that. Oh, okay. That's, that's just, something that's else. Amazing. Yeah. Have you noticed on you know Instagram and Facebook and all these other things? You can see in a day 50 women, girls, whatever else, saying that they're getting in some pool time or some beach time or something like that. And all you see is the water in the distance and their feet. Right. Yes. And you're just like, I don't understand the point of this. What? I mean, if you want to say beach time or whatever, show the beach. Show the water. Don't show me your feet. I already They want to get... show that they're at the beach. Well, yeah, but I mean, you could step in the sand and take a picture of a footprint. Mm, that that's that's like photography too. You, you know, I think most most people are going to be on photography one still. You're thinking ahead here. You're trying to sort of block out your shots and all that kind of stuff. I I just thought it was like, hey, I'm laying down already, and I want to send uh, out a picture that's going to make other people jealous. Uh, but I don't want to be in it because I didn't do my hair and makeup. So. I'll just shoot my feet in the water. Yeah, but I mean, think about it. I'm going to make people jealous that I'm at the beach, so the best way to make them jealous is to show them a picture with my knees and my busted-ass pedicure in it. (laughs) That'll show them. Maybe they just got a pedicure. Maybe that's what they want to show off. Maybe I'm not looking closely enough at their cuticles 
and their nail polish. I, I don't know what to tell you, Brian. I'll have to look closer from now on. Yeah, but see, this is something that neither you nor I would, would know. If you just got a pedicure, why would you go to the beach? I don't know. I could I could maybe ask a member of the opposite sex and see if there's a reason. If there is a member of the opposite sex who hears this, can you let us know? Yeah, I I would love to know an answer to this. Can you because... email us? <laughs> yeah, actually, that's a good that's a good thing to mention. We do have an email account for the uh, for the program. No Twitter yet, but we will create one. Uh, if you want to email us, dtmapodcast at gmail dot com. If you want to send us your thoughts about why it is that you know you uh, you go to the beach with a pedicure. Or uh, Jenny McCarthy likes to smoke fake cigarettes, or Stephen Dorff can't appear in something that twenty-five people didn't see. Wow, we really broke that one down. That, that so no, no to being a fake smoker, right? And that's that's important. I mean, we've really we've we've covered some ground here. We have, we absolutely have. That's that's what this program is about. It's about you know tearing down walls and and passing through boundaries and making you think about things in ways that you've never really thought you could before. Just like what I've, I, I asked this question to a couple people before we had the show. I said, would you would you be interested? Do you think that's an interesting idea to start faking smoking to get more breaks? <laughs> and everyone kind of reacts with, oh, gosh. Well, have you thought about it, though? I don't know. Let's really weigh out the pros and cons. Why It seems like you get more break time. Who doesn't like to work less? Is it worth it, though? And thankfully, we've been able to get through it. We've been able to... Look at it from both sides. And no, I think it's a no. Yeah, see, that's that's the problem. Whenever you think about ways to get out of work, you have to think about all the other work that goes into it. Right. Wow, that was very profound. That's uh, that's how I operate. Speaking of profound things, by the way, let's talk mm. about the profound lyrics in the Robin Thicke song "Blurred Lines" and, and all the reaction that the VMA stuff has gotten over the last week. We're not going to go into the whole, uh, you know, twerking thing and all this other stuff, because frankly, everybody else has already talked about it. I'm sick to death of it. I'm sick to death of Miley Cyrus. I'm sick of a redneck dad. I'm sick of all of it. But what really just trips me out is all the reaction to Robin Thicke and about how all of a sudden he's this misogynist pig because of this one song and this video and everything else. And he's talking about treating women like cattle or like property or whatever. I have never seen so much outrage over a bad song. At what point did we just stop being outraged over bad music and start getting outraged because of what the bad music says? Well, this there's a lot of this going on in media in general. I mean, we've talked a bunch of times about how ESPN and SportsCenter seems to just be telling you what you're supposed to feel mad about that given day. Sure, sure. You know, Johnny Manziel might have signed autographs for money. Oh, my God, they're amateurs. <laughs> yeah. We can't have that. You know, that kind of thing. It's righteous indignation. And, that, I mean, that's a lot, what a lot, I feel what around the horn is, who can get more uh, fired up and righteously indignant about the, uh, the issues of the day. So when you think about people getting excited or down on Robin Thicke because of his song lyrics, first of all uh, – I feel like you could do worse. <laughs> not to defend Robin Thicke. I'm not a big fan of his music, but among songs out there, you could do a lot worse. Well, and it's not his fault that it went to number one on the charts or wherever it went. I, I, I think it went to number one. I don't I, I don't care enough to check, but it's that's not his fault. 
So he wrote his song. Someone wanted to release it, and it ended up being successful. So you're criticizing him for his song lyrics? <laughs> yeah, it's like, how dare you know your audience and cater to them? Mm, no. That's, yeah, that's that's the other The other thing I was going to mention, though, if there's one thing that I'm not sick of so far that's come out of the whole Video Music Awards deal is the twerking Miley Twitter account. I got to say, I'm a big fan of that one. Uh, the one, the one with uh, Miley twerking on Dr. King is probably the most offensive yet the most awesome thing I've seen all week. It really, yes, it absolutely is going to offend some people at the same time. I couldn't help but laugh at it. We were speaking, by the way, of blurred lines, and I, I wanted to share with you the words of an author named Froma Harrop. Yes, okay, Froma Harrop. Noted philosopher. And uh, she, and some of the things that she says, let's just throw some of this out there, and I'll exert it in various uh, intervals. The naughty version of the video, referring to Blurred Lines, has topless girls bouncing past the fully dressed thick as he urges them to stop pretending they don't lust for him. Creepy images pass through, including a split-second shot of a giant hypodermic needle pointed at one lady's rear end. The song has its critics, needless to say its off-repeated line, I know you want it, Recalls the rapist's first defense. Okay, so let's stop here. From a Harrop has already now accused Robin Thicke of being a rapist. So let's just go ahead and put that out there. Let's, uh. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, let's put that on the record. It's, uh, very Christine Brennan of her. <laughs> nice. She says, indeed, the very title, Blurred Lines, and I, I wonder if I should speak in kind of a lofty, haughty, professor type voice when I say this. Thoughts? I think you should just immediately start, you know, Start looking down on everyone as you're reading this. In, mm. Indeed, the very title, Blurred Lines, speaks of an alleged fuzzy boundary separating sexual consent from its opposite. It implies that no may mean yes. If the self-regarding male interprets her non-verbal behavior thusly, not surprising, a good number of feminists are retching. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> I can't wow. keep that voice up. But it's still just the, the whole attitude of that article is kind of incredible when you think about music and the business in general, and especially with all of the, the talk we've seen after the whole, oh, my God, Miley Cyrus thing. The whole nature of the music business is that people have tried to become more and more shocking because they're desperate for attention because the music sucks these days. I mean, come on. That's a common refrain from every generation. Oh, what's happened to our music? Our music is getting so much worse. Uh, I, I just have a hard time looking back at some of the music that's being created uh, and is popular and thinking, you know what? Yeah, we're going to be listening to that in 15 years as a classic. Well, the hilarious thing is you look now on you know, all these stations like uh, – Kiss FM in Los Angeles and Z100 in New York and all these other big city radio stations. It's not even top 40 anymore. It's top 10 because they play the same 10 songs over and over. And if you look at the songs being played, it used to be, you know, Akon who was doing all these guest spots and everything else. And now it's... Bruno Mars? Well, no, not even him. It's oh. it's T.I. who's now going by his real name, Calvin Harris, who's doing all these guest spots on all these various random garbage auto-tune records. And you know... That whenever you hear some stupid auto-tune dance record with some kind of uh, refrain in the middle of it, it belongs to either Calvin Harris slash T.I. or to Will I Am, one of the two. That's a pretty good bet. I mean, it, it's amazing. You really end up getting to a couple people. There's usually two or three 
that I feel are about even money to be on any track released. Okay. T-Pain. Right. Come on, how, how often was T-Pain on a song there for about a good year and a half stretch? Did he ever fall out of love with a stripper? I don't know if he did or not. That's a great question, though. We should ask him. I bet he's available. <laughs> well, we'll have to wait till his shift ends. He's counting his, his app money. <laughs> the, uh, the piece, by the way, continues, and it says, Last summer's song was Carly Rae Jepsen's Call Me Maybe, a winsome appeal to a guy who it turns out was not into girls. And the song for – wait a minute. First of all, I didn't realize that was what that was. But anyway. Uh, the, I, I haven't listened closely enough to know anything about that song. Yeah. The uh, the song for 2011 was LMFAO's Party Rock Anthem, where the words got no rougher than, we just want to see it shake that. Now, the words got dumber than that, but they didn't get rougher than that. Right. She goes on to mention that how you know Thick's song is compared – musically to Marvin Gaye's Gotta Give It Up, which it is. If you listen to the two songs, there is an obvious derivation there. She talks about Alan Thicke, Robin Thicke's brother, or brother, father. Or father. Sniper. Either way. <laughs> yeah. Alternate family. Yeah. Of, uh, of Blurred Lines, he says, quote, I was as impressed with the track as I was with the video, unquote. Now, here's where it gets a little sideways again. She says, Robin is a 36-year-old married father, evidence he implies that he really really respects women and he also talks up racial sensitivity the song does give cameos to his black collaborators pharrell and ti but sorry you were gonna say something go ahead yeah i just was gonna say that in a very indirect way the person writing this article just made somehow implied that robin thick was using the worst possible defense about racial anything <laughs> I've got black collaborators. Yeah, it's this, be fine. This is the I've got a gay friend of black and white collaborations on music, I think, is what she's trying to say it is. Oh, gosh. This, I mean, this I just the amount that people read into stuff that just completely isn't there. Well, it gets worse, though. She says all very okay. pleasant, but it's curious that Blurred Lines outsources its very nastiest lines. The explicit ones about doing bodily harm to women. Wait, what? To T.I., Thick's verses are more safely vague. Again, I hadn't listened closely enough to know that there were verses about harm to women. Uh, yeah, I mean, see, these songs aren't meant to dissect. They're not. They're meant to, you know, go out on the dance floor and dance like a white person while you're holding a drink over your head. That's what they're there for. And mouth the words along, too. Oh, well, right? yeah, exactly. But... She's not the only person getting offended by all this. There's more. <laughs> There's much, much more in terms of people being offended by all this. I can't even begin to get into all this, but there's one person who says in response by a comment, what you said, I can add nothing to what you wrote, Miss Harrop. In a world that becomes more anti-female with each passing day, to award cult status to a song and video in which women are victimized blatantly is a strong, horrible statement about the real value of women in American culture. Great message to pass on to the next generation of females, that women still are just part of the banquet for males. Nice. Perhaps if Thick has a daughter, he'll pimp her out to another male musician for a whoring good time. Okay, we, we got a few things we need to cover here, especially after hearing something <laughs> like that. First of all, First of all, I went and looked up the lyrics, according to azlyrics.com, so if they're wrong, it's not my fault. 
you know, maybe maybe you know, Ti Fan seventy three is going to write a revision <laughs> soon. I don't know. But here are from Ti's verse. Here would be the lines that would be quote doing harm to women. I'll give you something big enough to tear your ass in two. Now I don't think he's talking about doing harm to women with that line. I think it means something of a sexual nature. I think you could probably guess what it might be. Yeah, yeah. And then he says, nothing like your last guy, he too square for you, he don't smack that ass and pull your hair like that. Again, I don't really think that he's talking about harming women. No. Uh, I'm just saying, I think that this would all be something that might fall under a sexual connotation, which they said. So that was a pretty big leap that was made by the author. The other thing I was going to say was, Show me the guys who are out there bumping this song. I don't have a whole lot of them. <laughs> I'm just saying that when I've heard this song coming out of a passing car, say, or something like that, it has not been a guy driving. I've seen that once, and it's funny enough that I saw it in South Carolina, of all places, but I've seen it once. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, though? <laughs> I, I get the sense that more of the fans of this song are female. So it makes it um, – it's amusing for me, at least based on what I've seen they are. Based on the number of people who were posting the video of Jimmy Fallon's version of this song on on Facebook, oh, it was geez. almost all female. So – And the stupid thing is, too, with that whole thing – you know, we went off, off on this a couple of weeks ago on, on the sports show about this particular type of thing and about all the school – yard uh instruments that are out there i actually heard salt and peppa's push it being played with school instruments in target the other day which is a whole other thing unto itself but okay those of you who are a posting this and b encouraging jimmy fallon you are to blame you are part of our society's downfall if you do anything that encourages jimmy fallon and emboldens him in any way and if you continue to embolden this stupid school instrument phase no, I just I I have lost. I, I used to love late night TV so much, and the DVR has made it completely useless. Because well, you could watch whatever you want late at night on demand stuff. You could watch stuff that's on your DVR. You know, you don't need to watch stars that have taped an interview at six o'clock that evening uh, promoting their latest movie. You don't have to do it anymore. You could just watch what. Hey, you know what was on earlier? I DVR'd the new Breaking Bad, so I could watch that now. Wait, 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 what? Craig Ferguson isn't on at one thirty-five in the morning live? You've, you've shattered all of the things that I thought were real. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, and that's, and that's the thing that's so amusing to me is, uh, someone referencing what time it is when they're taping the show that's being aired at 11. It's just like, yeah, you know, it's like six o'clock right now and I just came over before we're having dinner and I was able to, I'm so glad I'm able to stop by and chat. We're so happy to have you on the late show. <laughs> Oops. The uh, the other thing, too, I wanted to bring up about this whole Blurred Lines bit. Uh, this is from okay. Matt, Matt Walsh, who I, I love Matt Walsh. He's uh, a, a brilliant writer, says a lot of solid things about things that are not music. But okay. he decided to get into the musical realm, and he was talking about uh, how we kind of are so focused on Miley Cyrus that we let Robin Thicke off the hook, which really, I, I think that both of them are equally deserving of, you know, hatred or scorn or being stoned in a public square, one of the things. But he he says of the song, this little ditty, along with being vapid, stupid, and incredibly grating, and it is all three, is an anthem to fornication and objectification. Fornication, yes. Objectification, I don't know if I see. But he goes into some of the lines. 
and then afterwards says, seriously, only morons listen to garbage like this, really. Now, look, we're both, I know that we are both very much live and let live kind of people. Yes. You, you do whatever's going to make you happy. If it's going to keep you happier, then then it's probably going to work out okay in most cases. And, you know, if the 20-year-old girl who was driving down the street in Pacific Beach the other day who was blaring this out of her car is a lot happier because she loves this song, then that's great. Good for her. That doesn't mean that I need to like it, nor does it even mean that I need to have an opinion about it. And that's where... <laughs> I think this thing has gotten so weird because you end up, you know, hey, how's it going, man? Cool. So, hey, did you see that Robin Thick Miley Cyrus thing at the Video Music Awards? No. No, I didn't. I saw it on the news about 73 other times while I've been at the gym or at home with the TV on in the background. But no, I didn't watch it because I don't watch the Video Music Awards anymore because I don't care. The the thing that I've seen come out of this, there are a couple of things that, that came out of the VMAs. First of all, there's all this, and I'll, I'll get back to one more thing that Matt Walsh says in just a bit, but I've also seen this week where the members of NSYNC were upset because they felt that Justin Timberlake uh, cut down their time for their reunion on the yes. VMAs. I saw that, yes. And uh, I'm just like, so, okay, uh, <laughs> you had to go back and, uh, you know, get your cab back to the front of the car, I mean, to the front of the hall so that you could drive people home. So at least he was right. considerate of you there. I just, you know, it was really great that they were able to pull that off, though. I'm amazed that, uh, you know, Chris Kirkpatrick was available. Um, I mean, it's great that they were able to get him out there. You know, it's a lot of schedules to coordinate. All the four other guys, I'm sure, were really busy. Of course they were upset that they had their time cut. They don't exactly have anything else going on right now. I mean, you know, we joked about bands that end up being banished to the casino circuit, the right, Indian right, casino circuit. Right. I don't think that a single, you know, if you had one member of InSync, uh, you know, outside of Justin Timberlake, of course, I don't think that they're even able to, to uh, you know, end up on the casino circuit, are they? Well, I mean, Lance Bass has a radio show these days, and I think Joey Fatone is involved with some contract with nbc or something I, I don't know but you know the last time i saw joey fatone on anything he was on some kind of uh cooking competition on the food network <laughs> I, I would like to talk to the tv executives who are like you know what we really need to get joey fatone in the fold that's going to make the difference it's going to put the show over the top see, once we get him involved <laughs> see the thing is what they didn't tell you is he competed on that cooking competition because it was the first time he'd been able to eat in three weeks oh wow <laughs> That was that was sneaky straw. I wasn't expecting that. That was good. <laughs> the uh, the other thing too about what Matt Walsh said, he said, "I'm no feminist. Miley Cyrus is an adult and should be held responsible for her actions. But where are all the men in all of this? Have we so completely given up on chivalry? Oh God, that we don't even see what's troubling about a grown ass married dude singing a song about sexual domination while dry humping a young woman on national TV? Uh, hadn't that been the last ten years? I mean, why is why is it all of a sudden that this is you know what we think is the the standard now? That's been the case for ten years. Uh, he continues, men in this. Wait, wait, hold on. Yeah, would hype Williams has have had a career otherwise? <laughs> Forget hype Williams, Freedom Williams. <laughs> Freedom Williams. <laughs> A man who liked men singing about singing over dance music. Well, yeah, but now he's teaching a Zumba class called Sweat Till You Bleed, so it's all good. Is he? Yeah. Good for good for him. <laughs> who doesn't love a good Zumba? <laughs> he 
he uh, he says men in this culture need to stand up and be leaders. Is that kind of like culture keepers or culture leaders? I hope so. <laughs> yes. I'm going to go with yes, now that I have to make a decision. He, uh, he says, I don't want to talk about the Miley Cyruses of the world. Enough is said about them. I want to talk about the legions of cowardly, amoral adult men. Uh, push your pinky firmly in the side of your mouth while saying this. Who graduate college and still carry on like frat boys well into their 60s. The girls that behave like Miley Cyrus do so because they want to attract men and it works. God. Look, Matt, do, do you like to have fun? <laughs> you ever like to just cut it loose once in a while, pal? I, I think it's okay if you do. If you want to just have a few too many drinks one night or, you know, maybe have something happen that, you know, might be kind of embarrassing but makes a great story, it, it can it can happen. It's just called partying a little bit. And I, I'm not saying that you need to just, you know, be an alcoholic or anything of the sort, but you could do, you, you can binge within moderation. That is completely possible. Well, as we tie things back together, because, you know, I'm, I'm nothing if not a stickler for tying entire programs back together. And sure. we, we still have a little bit more of this program left, so fear not. But we've talked about smoking. I have no objection to people smoking, even though I don't smoke. It's your own right. Do what you want to do. Um, I have no objection, frankly, to Miley Cyrus, Robin Thicke, whatever, doing whatever they want to do. Because it is their life. They can do whatever they want to. But here's the problem. And here's here's the big thing I've had with this. For all of this outrage, all the way from, you know, Madonna and the Like a Virgin video and, and you know, the Like a Prayer video and all that stuff, too, all the way up to now. Here's the problem. It is much easier, and again, I'm speaking as somebody who's not a parent, but I'm speaking about parents. It right. is it is much easier for us as a society, the royal we, to get outraged about stuff and to want to have, you know, people police themselves or the government police people or TV networks police people or whatever else. But yet, we don't expect any of the responsibility to fall on the parents anymore. We don't we don't think that parents should tell kids what's right and what's wrong. We don't think that parents should show kids the right way and the wrong way and then let them make their own decisions anymore. We want everybody else to be our kids' parents instead of being parents, and that's where the root of all of this is. Well, I think that some of it could just be due to the fact that we have this information explosion and there are so many different ways to communicate. And because there are so many different ways to communicate, that means that everyone is offering up their opinion. And when you get so many opinions out there and you get a majority opinion that says you need to be doing X when it comes to – wait a second. I said it again. Darn it. I'm not supposed to talk about that. Anyway, you should be doing <laughs> this certain thing when you're parenting your child. Then the attitude becomes you must be doing that certain thing when you're parenting your child. Right. And if you're not doing that certain thing, then other people are going to come up to you and be like, don't you know that you should be doing this? You see what I'm getting at? And then all of a sudden, that's where the outrage starts to come from because people feel like they're the expert now. Well, look, I've done all this reading on this subject, so I'm an expert. Are you really an expert now? Okay. Where do we, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think that the internet can give people a false, a false level of confidence in their own knowledge about certain subjects. Well, see, there's another thing, too. And, and that's and, pretty safe to say. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll touch briefly on this, because if we started into this, it would take another hour and a half, and frankly, uh, you guys don't want to listen to this for another hour and a half. But exactly. There there was a thing that Aaron Sorkin had, had commented about probably a week ago or so, and, and he was talking about internet journalism and about how he respected the New York Times and all these other papers because they had certain 
uh, expectations and certain consequences for people getting things wrong. And then he used, I think it was bobsthoughts.com or something like that. And you could just see the elitism just dripping from him where he was talking about how internet journalists don't have any consequences for whenever they get things wrong. Now, first of all, you must have completely ignored the whole Jason Blair thing because, you know, clearly there were no consequences for a while on that. I'm eventually caught up to him, but you know, he seemed to think that nobody could do any wrong at these so-called major outlets. But the fact that people, you know, have these kind of smaller outlets and whether they're right or wrong, it doesn't make any difference, but people do have a voice these days. And, and it seems as though thought like that is trying to squelch some of that voice that you talked about being out there and trying to limit it to just the message that you want other people to hear. I think that it, I, actually, I, I kind of disagree with what's what he feels is wrong with it. I think that that he is basically advocating that you don't need to be personally responsible for your own actions in some ways. Because honestly, if you're reading Bob'sThoughts.com and you're not thinking to yourself, maybe I should take Bob's thoughts with a grain of salt on this government issue, then you're a moron. And I have no problem saying it. <laughs> I mean, come on. There's some of these websites out there that are personal blogs. A lot of them, they even say, like, look, this is just me talking about stuff, and this is what I think. They're not trying to be journalists. They're not trying to be, you know, anything of the sort. They're just trying to, you know, it, it, they just want to be able to have a diary other people can read in some cases. They, you know, who knows why people have, some people want to write about food. Some people want to write their, write about their Harley Davidson or whatever that, you know, wearing leather chaps or whatever it is those people do. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Did that make here? People who ride Harleys wear leather chaps. Yeah, but I don't want to think about people who ride Harleys wearing leather chaps because those are often some of the ugliest people in the world. I love people who ride Harleys. They're good people. And, you know, the, the fine folks at San Diego Harley-Davidson, they're good people, too. But I don't want to think about them wearing leather chaps, especially assless chaps. No. Oh, wait. Did huh? that go, go a little far there? I think I might have blacked out. Maybe. But, you know, what's great is that there is a Dusty Chaps leather blog now that I've Googled on. on uh, oh, geez. So, you know, Why? I hope you enjoy that. But you see what I'm saying? Anyone can write anything about anything, and just like The Office said about Wikipedia. So you know it's the best, right? So if Aaron Sorkin really can't go to the New York Times for a story and then get Bob's Thoughts at bobsthoughts.com on the same story and go, wait a second, I really feel like the New York Times is doing a better job compiling all the facts and letting me know the pertinent issues here. And Bob, you can tell that he's not being held accountable because he didn't present both sides of the story. Really? Because all journalism every day now is all about presenting both sides of the story. Because Fox and CNN and MSNBC and all those people and, you know, the New York Times and the L.A. Times, they present fair, objective journalism and show both sides all the time. Yes. Yes. News plays it right down the middle. The news gathering organization has nothing to do with how the news is presented to you. That's that's another thing that we need to hit up on another program at some other time is is the degeneration of television news and the news cycle that goes around it. But we'll we'll cover that another time. <laughs> there are so many things. I mean, there are so many questions that we have. I mean, there's so much stuff for us to cover. I mean, we still have plenty of things we could talk about with this subject. I know we're running a little short on time. Yes, we are. But. I mean, these are all things that we're going to need to talk about in future episodes. But if you have questions that you want to ask us, that you'd like us to knock around, that you'd like us to to kind of get into and really try to figure out a little bit, let us know. Please, please email us about those. We'd like to hear from you. Absolutely. Please do. Again, uh, DTMA podcast at gmail.com. Frankly, 
Ed and I are people who are constantly looking forward. We are thinking about the next big question that will affect society or the next big uh, plague or the next big, uh, you know, funny T-shirt or whatever. We're always looking forward. And sometimes in looking forward, you miss what's around you. You kind of lose sight of peripheral vision because you're looking ahead. So for those of you who are seeing these things that might be all around you because you're not looking forward, you know, tell us some of those things that are going on around you, and we'll break those things down on this program. That's, that's why we're here. It is why we're here. So, Ed, as we wind down the program, uh, we on every single sports program have come to have our own favorite little feature. We talk right. about stupid criminals every week. We talk about stupid people in our society. We make fun of people in Florida who commit stupid crimes. And we decided that for this program, we need to bring some of those people over here. Now, we're not going to go into as much detail with those people because this is a shorter program. And, you know, frankly, we want to give you something that you can digest a little bit. So we'll give you one or two each week. This week, we'll give you two. I had said one originally, but we'll give you two because they're short. Okay. Where we can appropriately break down the stupidity associated with these people, with their crimes, with whatever else. And we'll start in my state. Ooh, in South Mer Carolina. In Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. This courtesy of the Sun News. A pregnant woman here called police when she discovered that the money her boyfriend had given her to pay for medical bills was counterfeit. Hmm. Tough break. Now... I have to ask, if you are with somebody and you are pretty much betrothed to them as boyfriend, girlfriend, and you feel as though you can share anything with them and they're there to help you out with your medical bills, there are obvious forms of betrayal in a relationship. At what, sure. le at what level is giving somebody counterfeit money to pay medical bills, at what level of betrayal is that? That's pretty high, I think. That's that's a that's a very large betrayal. Obviously, if someone needs money for medical bills, they've just gone through a lot. Uh, it's it's a very important thing that they get it paid off. It's going to be a large cost. And I know that you know if if anyone has had any kind of medical treatment in the last few years, you know that it's usually going to be very pricey unless you've got some good insurance, which not too many of us have these days. So you're in a bad place as it is. You've had a medical. You've had some sort of medical. Uh, necessity come up, be it a procedure, be it some sort of treatment, you, know, you broke your leg, whatever it is. Did they mention what, what she had to have done? Uh, no, unfortunately, which again, for those of you who don't listen to the sports program, this is another thing. There's so much lazy journalism out there when we're talking about reporting on stupid people. They don't give us... See, Ed and I are both professionally educated and trained in journalism. We learned about the four W's and, and, and the H. You learned about yeah. the who, what, when, where, why, how. And, you know, see this stuff that you learn in Journalism 101. But... They didn't bother to tell us any of that. No, they really didn't. They really didn't. But I think it's very high on the list of betrayal. The other thing that I really wanted to know, which I'm sure is not in this article, if the injury uh, and the medical stuff she went through is not in the article, did did the boyfriend just hand over a bunch of bills to her and she didn't notice? Did he leave it for her in an envelope? You know, Because if it was good enough for her to get it in her hand and not notice it at first... That's a whole other issue. It's funny you should ask that, Ed. Let's go ahead and answer that question. The woman said the suspect gave her four $20 bills on August 22nd to help with costs, but she didn't notice they were fake until Monday. She, wow. she told police that when the bills became wet, the ink changed color. 
I guess that would be a pretty good giveaway. Oh, there's more. The officer responding also noticed that all the bills had the same serial number. Is that a problem? <laughs> as far as you know. Jeez. The uh, now, go ahead. I was just going to say I was ex- I was expecting a little bit more money than four twenties in terms of costs for medical expenses. Yeah, see that's that could get pretty pricey. That's the thing. You and I have both had to go to you know minute clinics or whatever it is that they have in these drugstores these days. And I went there to get an ear infection checked out, and you know I've I have a long history with ear infections, but that's an, a whole another story. But you can't even go in those places and pay eighty bucks and get out of there. No. If you don't have insurance, you're going to end up paying $80 on one of the three prescriptions they'll try to give you. I've, I think I've got it. Maybe, maybe she was getting a teeth yellowing procedure. Maybe. Oh, this is a great call. What a great call. You know, I wonder what that would run. I, I am curious. Giving you something else to look up on the Google machine. Yeah, what if you went into a dentist though and said, look, I need to just yellow my teeth. I don't want to ruin the structure of them. I just need to make them look more yellow. Can you help me with that? <laughs> I want to know what the, the response would be from the dentist. <laughs> so if someone wants to do that, please let me know. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And and we we strongly recommend here on this program, if you do that, grab a voice recorder, uh, grab a flip cam, something like that. Take it in there. app on your phone. Yeah, exactly. Show it to the dentist. You know, just make sure that we get... Decent, usable sound, usable video, and we'll run it here on this program. We absolutely, absolutely. will. It's research. Of course, uh, the fake money was entered into evidence and no arrests have been made, which is hilarious considering that she pretty much said who did it, but they still haven't popped him. Anyway. <laughs> that's No arrests have been made. That's good. <laughs> I guess they don't feel like they need to put an APB out on a guy with $80 in fake money. Well, see, the question is, though, since it's involving money, which is produced by the government, are they going to try to hang a felony beef on him for hanging paper for 80 bucks? Maybe. Maybe they would. I feel like this would be the plot of some sort of film. Like this is the first step to uncovering that someone has plates that they can create their own money with. But they only have one serial number. (laughs) They just use the same plate over and over. Yeah. Ting, ting. And uh, finally, for this week, again from the beautiful Palmetto State, the Redneck Riviera, uh, for those of you who are sports fans, you're well aware of the term woodshed beating. You hear it on game day every weekend. You hear Chris Fowler talk about it. You hear somebody talking about going to the shed. Well, we've got two people who went to the shed for a completely different reason. Mm. Police in a town near Charleston, South Carolina, say they found two people having sex in a shed at a Home Depot earlier this week, various media reported. It's an amazing start. Let's keep going. The incident happened on Wednesday around 8.30 a.m. Interesting. (laughs) See, let me stop here because I have to ask this question. Do you decide, you wake up, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning, you're like, I need to really be at this job site, but first let's go to the Home Depot and knock one off first? No, I think that they're really trying to sell their fake meth habit. <laughs> yeah. They had the teeth yellowing procedure. Now they're arrested having sex in a Home Depot at 830 in the morning. They're really trying to sell. Look at this erratic behavior. I may have a problem. Well, at what point does uh, banging a random at a Home Depot at 830 in the morning, does that signal for a cry for help? <sighs> 
I don't know. Some it all depends on your audience. I mean, if you had, based on what everyone's saying, Robin Thicke would high five you. <laughs> so I guess it all depends on who you're telling that you're doing that to. And I also have to ask too: at, at what point do you say, you know, you talk about having game, you don't have any game. I bang some strange in a shed at 8:30 a.m. at a home improvement store. That is game. <laughs> That would be one of the moments where I really wish I could have seen what it was like when the person opened the door to uncover this couple. <laughs> I hear something in there. Maybe I should see what it is. Door opens, 8.30 in the morning, see the couple going at it. See, that's the kind of thing that I would love to see in these cases. Unfortunately, again, they don't bother to tell us. I know. It's just ridiculous. Uh, police were called after store shoppers said they noticed a man and a woman go into the shed and shut the door, according to the Charleston Post and Courier newspaper. Got to uh, get a sense for the space. Yeah, exactly. Got to gotta you know get your layout and know, you know, do I need to stretch first? Uh, what's a good place where I can get the proper angle? Uh, you know, am I going to be able to get uh, the feet lifted to a proper level? You know, there's, there's a bunch of, of scouting stuff you got to do. You know, like... With baseball, you have to go down there and you know roll sure. a, a baseball down the foul line or something and see how, how the uh, how the foul line plays. You, you have to like see how it bounces off the wall, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, the, the thing and uh, that I want to ask you, Brian, is do you think that this person, that this man, might have been at the Home Depot already for another reason? Uh, maybe. Maybe yeah. outside. Maybe looking for. <laughs> I'm just saying, is that what? Do, and do we know that the, that this was a random encounter? This uh, this reminds me of the South Park episode when they they went down to the U-Haul store to get people to write their papers for them. <laughs> I won't go into any further detail. You probably know what I'm talking about. Yes, I do. Let's continue. When, but, but does it say if the, if these people had, had met before? Uh, it doesn't. But I, I will give you some other kind of shocking details in just a second. When police arrived at the Northwoods Boulevard store in North Charleston, the pair were still inside the shed and came out partially clothed, the newspaper reported. The woman's dress was untied from the top and was hanging from her waist, according to the Post and Courier. The man came out of the shed without a shirt, and his genitals were in plain view because his pants were only pulled up to his knees, police told the newspaper. Oh my gosh. <laughs> After uh, questioning the pair, police concluded that the couple was having sex inside the shed. WCSC Television and the newspaper reported... Now, I have one quick question before we finish this off. You know, with... Porta potties, how people will try to tip porta potties over when people are okay. in there. Why didn't anybody sure. try to tip the shed over? That's a good question. It's a really good question. I, you know, I, I think that someone should have tried if they had been a little bit more awake. It was early, you know, eight thirty. Yeah. So maybe people weren't quite completely all together yet. But the thing that I'm thinking is, how long do you think the couple that was discovered tried to go with the no, no, we were just changing in here defense <laughs> before they finally dropped it? Uh, yeah, we, okay. See, there you go. We had to get to a job site. We were changing. You know, we're just changing. Yeah. And you just caught us at a really bad moment. It was taking us forever. Because first I was trying to pull my pants off over my boots, and that didn't work very well. And they got stuck, so I had to take my boots off and then get them out of my pants. No? It's not working? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Sean Bowden, 31, of Saw Palm Drive in Ladson, South Carolina, was charged with indecent exposure and disorderly conduct in connection with the incident. Emily Craig, age 20, of, mm. of Spoleto Lane in North Charleston, is charged with disorderly conduct, according to the newspaper. So a 31-year-old dude and a 20-year-old woman. In a shed. She wasn't 
you couldn't see anything of her, so she wasn't indecently exposed? Uh, apparently not. Okay. See, I, I feel like there's a gender equality issue somewhere in that. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, and um, folks, again, we will take each week to highlight some of these supreme dumbasses in our society to bring them to the light because they don't get enough attention. So we here like to bring them out and expose their behavior and give it our own proper level of analysis. I think that the best way to describe it, Brian, is, well, if you've heard the term, it's great to lead by example. What we're trying to do is lead by showing you the wrong examples. Uh, yeah, and we've had enough wrong examples in our lives to where we can properly point out the wrong example. So you can look at this and be, hey, this is going to be a blanket rule for you people out there, but it's, you know what, I'm not even going to say blanket rule. You're going to need to use your best judgment and figure out if it's the right thing for you. But I'm going to say most of the time it's a bad idea at 8.30 in the morning to go into a shed at a Home Depot and get it on. And with that bit of advice, that'll bring the first episode of Did That Make Error to a close. Again, probably one of the smoother first podcasts you'll ever hear because it's not really our first podcast. It's just our oh. first podcast under this umbrella, as it were. So again, if you want to contact us at any point, dtmapodcast at gmail.com. We will have a Twitter set up so you can send us tweets or whatever else if you're if you're bored and you really want to have us answer something on the air and bring our supreme divine wisdom to you. We'll be more than happy to share that with you. Add any closing thought? Yeah, actually, I do have one closing thought that, that, that just popped into my head. You were saying it's the first our first podcast since we renamed it. That makes me think that, look, age is always a big concern for women. They don't want to get older. You know, every year when their birthday rolls around, they're happy about their birthday. And then there's usually one moment within the birthday or within a couple of days, like, I can't believe that I'm 32 now or whatever it might be. OK, well, I'm thinking now that women are going to start changing their name and be like, I'm one now. It's my first birthday as Lauren. <laughs> I'm turning 29 for the ninth time. Yeah, I'm 16, but I can still drink <laughs> because I'm not really 16. I can just see that. Can't you see that? I can see someone trying that. Yeah, I saw a birthday cake for somebody the other day, and I don't remember who it was, but it said happy 29th plus 10. Man, I, that's, you know, that's a really fresh joke. You know, it really is. The, the, oh, this is my sixth 29th birthday. But. Does it, I was just going to say, I mean, do, do you really care about it? Once you pass 21, and for you, it's not even as big a hurdle because you, you do not care to drink. Right. I, I, I'm i on the other end of the spectrum when it comes to that vice. But at the same <laughs> time, the point is, because I know we're trying to wrap it up here, the point is <laughs> that, that once you pass that you know, 21 or something like that, the rest of the milestone birthdays are just to remind you that you're getting older. Right? Yeah, they but it's, it's not nearly as fresh. anything you can do that you can't just like, oh, I can smoke now or I could – you know, oh, I'm really excited because I can go and buy buy alcohol or go out to bars or whatever it might be. All it's just, hey, you're 30 now. Just wanted to let you know how old you are. You're 40. That's society where we're going to start telling you you're old. It's uh, it's not nearly as fresh as the lordy, lordy, look who's 40 bit. Whew, that's a good one. And actually, I'm going to have to call you on something. I, this is my first time ever acting as the program ombudsman, so I'm going to have to call you on something here. You mentioned that you don't get any birthdays where you get to celebrate anything as you advance on in life. You actually do. 
What, Social Security? Uh, no, 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 no. That's not where I'm going. You do have a, a birthday where all of a sudden it is acceptable to wear polo shirts tucked into golf shorts with socks calf high. Is there an official birthday on that? Yeah, I'm going to go with 46 as acceptable. 46 years old. Now, do you think that that's really the birthday and your age giving you that right or the fact that you've reached that age and you just don't care anymore? Or, or maybe you have to wear the socks pulled up that high to cover up for your arthritis or something. Maybe that's, maybe, that's possible. Maybe they provide some sort of orthopedic support. That's a distinct possibility. But it's it's uh, it's amazing how we we seem to get older at all the things that we thought that were completely unfathomable before, like tucking a shirt into golf shorts. Uh, yeah, and all of a sudden that seems yeah. You know what? I should I should tuck my shirt in. That'd be the right thing to do. And, and actually, there's there is one more birthday that we we do have uh, something that we can do that we couldn't do before on the 50th birthday it is time to go get a prostate exam oh i thought you were going to tell me that, that this it's special because 50 is the new 20 or something yeah just ask joe theisman he'll tell you yeah those always make perfect sense and then when you're a hall of fame quarterback you know when you're hawking stuff about prostate medication that you know it shows that things are going just fantastic speaking of going fantastic this program has gone fantastic. It will Absolutely. go fantastic again the next time we speak with you, uh, whenever that may be. This is going to be a fairly regular thing. It's not going to be one of those things where we tape one and then seven months down the road there's another one. So be on the lookout. We'll tell you how you can reach the program, how you can hear new episodes. You can send us questions, whatever you want to do. But until we speak again, he's Ed Barnes. I'm Brian Wilmer. Uh, thanks for whatever it is you contributed during this hour. Plus, and unfortunately for you, yes, that did indeed make air.